joining us this morning as we come to uh, hear God's word this morning. Uh, we're, we're, we're stepping back a little bit. Uh, you, if you've been around for a while, you'll know that last fall, uh, in September specifically, we took some time to talk about vital signs, uh, a church health checkup, and we, uh, I said that we would be coming back to it, and so I'm a, I'm a man of my word, and so back to it we are for a few weeks. Uh, vital signs, a church health checkup. Uh, we have a journey model here at Coquitlam Presbyterian Church. You'll notice on the back of the bulletin that it says that our mission um, is to be a growing community. Uh, that's a key word. We're to be a growing community um, on a journey together, uh, on a journey upward in our worship and in our relationship with God, a journey inward where God transforms us, and then a journey outward. And all of those journeys all happen simultaneously and they, they interweave with one another. But but. Because we have this journey model, I think sometimes it's good for us to, to check the vital signs. How are we doing? How are things on the journey? Just like you go to the doctor and you get all your vital signs checked to indicate your physical health, I think it's good for us periodically to check our, our spiritual indicators of health. And so last fall we did that. We took a look at a few vital signs. We took a look at over-the-top generosity as a vital sign. We took a look at influence in our community as a vital sign. We took a look at hungering and thirsting after God as a vital sign. And we looked at chaos as a vital sign. Now, if you missed any of those um, or don't remember those, uh, John Philpott has put them, the sermons back online at the church website. So you can go back and listen to those if you want. Or if you uh, aren't Internet active, you can just make a request in the sermon box and we'll get those sermons to you. Just let us know which ones you want. We also last, uh, last fall at the end of this, the first part of the series, we did a Vital signs checkup, and uh, you were asked to uh, to keep these in your Bible. I'm sure all of you did that, uh, and you can bring it back with you next week. But this is to serve you as a reminder, just where you felt that um, God had you, and where uh, where your vital signs were um, under those four categories um, in September. There are more of these at the Welcome Center. If you want to revisit that and just think about that, you're certainly welcome to do that. Over the next few weeks. Uh, We're going to take next Sunday off, but over the next few weeks, we're going to look at three more vital signs, three more indicators of health in our midst. This morning, the vital sign is this, tender affection, tender affection. As we come to hear God's word this morning, let's take a moment to pray. As we open up your word, God, change and transform us. May these not just be the opinions of one person, but may they be based on the authority and the strength and the power of your word. We pray, Holy Spirit, that even in the reading of your word this morning, that you would encourage us, that you would convict us, that you would change our minds and our hearts. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Turn with me to Romans chapter 12, beginning at verse 9, just a few verses. That's on page 803 in your pew Bible. You're going to want to have it in front of you. This morning, Romans chapter 12, beginning at verse 9, reading down just to verse 13. Let's hear God's word. Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Honor one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with God's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. 
This is God's word to us this morning. Thanks be to God. A couple of weeks ago, uh, we talked about irresistible community as part of uh, what we're all about here. We want to be an irresistible community living out a vital message. And in that sermon, I said this sentence. I said this, it matters how we treat one another. It matters how we treat one another. I want to revisit that phrase this morning because it's clear in Scripture, both Old Testament and New Testament, that it does matter how we treat one another as followers of Jesus, as followers of God. In, in the Old Testament, Leviticus, buried right in the middle of the dense uh, Old Testament book of Leviticus, the, the Levitical law, Leviticus 19.18, God says this to the people, love your neighbor as yourself. That might ring a bell for you, not because you've memorized Leviticus, but because Jesus says that in Mark chapter 12. He quotes from the Old Testament law in Mark 12 when he's asked, you know, what are, what's the greatest commandment, Jesus? How would you, you know, what's the most important thing? And he says, the most important thing is that you love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And the second one is this, love your neighbor as yourself. Those are the most important commands, Jesus says. It matters how we treat one another. The clear call in all of Scripture is that we are to do unto others in specific ways. There's lots of examples in Scripture uh, that give us the specifics on how we are to treat one another. In fact, uh, if you're interested, um, there's been a lot of people who have compiled the one another's of Scripture Love one another, serve one another. The New Testament is full of them. And, and at the Welcome Center, if you're, if you're wanting to see it in print, there's a yellow sheet, two sides, that summarizes all of the one another's just in the New Testament. Be honest with one another, honor one another, be hospitable with one another, and it goes on and on and on. If you're interested in seeing that, it's at the Welcome Center as well. But the New Testament in particular is very, very clear on how specifically we are to treat one another. And in this very brief passage that I read for us just a few moments ago, Paul picks up on this theme of how believers are to treat one another. But this morning, as we take a few minutes to look at uh, this vital sign, uh, I want us to actually to penetrate just even a step deeper into the relational experience that God intends for his people. Not just how we're to treat one another, but but even more deeply than that. Uh, Let me give you the outline really quickly, because I was... I was in an outline kind of mood this week. So it's uh, for those of you who don't like outlines, just grin and bear. For those of you who salivate over outlines, you're going to love this. Um, but here's the, here's the really easy outline. What is the command? Why are we to do it? And how are we to do it? Now, just so you know, we're going to spend most of our time on the first one, just so you don't get panicky partway through. Uh, what is the command? Why are we to do it? First of all, what's the command? What's the command? I'm going to even give you uh, the nutshell at the beginning. Here's the the thesis of of what Paul's talking about. In our relationships, especially with fellow believers, God intends for merely to do toward others in a certain way, but to feel toward others in a certain way. That's the thesis. Not just to do to others in a certain way, but also to feel. You know, it's true that... um, Love toward one another is always based on more than feelings. If you're married, especially, you'll know this. We don't always feel love toward our spouse, uh, but we are always to, uh, to love them, to, to do unto them in certain ways. So love um, toward one another is not always, it, it, the feelings don't always accompany it 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Um, that's true. 
It's true that we are to do unto one another in certain ways, even when the feeling isn't there. We're to love them even when we are feeling upset with them. It's true in marriage. It's true here. Even when the feeling isn't there, we are to treat them in a certain way. But here's the key. It is not true, I would submit to you, that uh, to say that God is just content with our treating each other decently while feeling hard and cold toward one another. Yes, it's sometimes true that um, the feelings aren't there and we are to do unto others in a certain way anyway. But I don't think it's true that God says, well, I'm content with that. As long as you do the right thing toward one another, it doesn't really matter that you feel cold to each other. Eh, that's okay. I, I don't believe that. It matters how we treat one another, but it also matters, I believe, to God, how we feel toward one another. Look at verse 9 and 10 from what we read this morning. Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Honor one another above yourselves. He begins, love must be sincere. Another translation says, love must be without hypocrisy. It seems like Paul's getting at this distinction between um, how we do toward others and how we feel toward others. The goal is that our love for one another would be sincere, would, would uh, be without hypocrisy. The external, what we do toward one another, would match how we feel internally toward them. That our love would increasingly be sincere. He fleshes that out further by saying this, be devoted to one another in brotherly, I would add sisterly, love. I want you to ponder that sentence for a moment. Be devoted to one another. He's speaking to believers. Yes, he's speaking to husbands and wives and friends, but primarily he's speaking to our relationships with one another. Be devoted to one another, he says. That actually doesn't quite get the sense of where the original language actually um, lands. In the Revised Standard Version, it says this, love one another with brotherly affection. The word used there, affection, uh, in this verse uh, refers to a, a special kind of love. It's, it's the, the word that's used there for affection or for love is only used in one place in the New Testament, that particular word, and it's used right here. It, it's, it's not a rare word outside of the New Testament in, in, the, in, in other documents of the day, but in the New Testament, that particular word for love is used only there, and it really refers to, to tender affection, particularly as it relates to, to a family. That's the word that's used there. So this verse is calling for us to give tender affection toward one another, as you would expect within a, a healthy family unit, tender affection. C.S. Lewis, if you, some of you have read his book, The Four Loves, he talks about um, four different Greek words for love. And for some of us, this will be review. But really quickly, he talks about agape love, which is the God-like self-giving love given even to enemies. He talks about philia love, which is friendship love and com camaraderie kind of love that we have for one another. He talks about eros love, which is the love of romance and desire and sexual attraction. And he talks, um, fourthly, about um, storge love, the love of affection that arises out of just a natural attachment. It'd be kind of the, the, the love that you have for... Um, an old shabby sweater that's just, I love that sweater, or, or a dog, or our favorite spot in, in nature that you like to go to. Um, that's the kind of um, love that's being talked about. It's, a, it's an affectionate love. 
It's, it's, it's an attachment kind of love. The word used in Romans 12.10 is a form of that last word. Storge. And to be specific, actually, without going into too much of the Greek, it's actually um, philostorgos, which means tender affection. It's not just affection. It's not just a connection with. It's tender affection in the context of precious family members. That's the sense of the word. Tender affection. That's the command that Paul is giving to you and to me about how we're to interact with one another. The command for believers in this passage as to how we are to relate one another is not merely that we're to do certain things unto one another, but that we are um, that we are to feel a certain way. We're to have tender affection toward one another. That's the vital sign for today. We are to feel something in the middle of our doing something. We are to feel affection, a tender affection toward each other. That's the command. Sincere, tender love. You know, it's not in, just in this passage. Um, in 1 Peter 1, Paul says, Now that you've purified yourselves by obeying the truth, so that you now have sincere love for your brothers, love for one another deeply, from the heart. Do you get the sense of the tender affection there? It's not that just that they're going through the motions of doing good unto one another. There's a tender affection there that they have for one another. There's a fervent love. It's talking there about more than just treating one another nicely. It involves the heart. Philippians 1.8, Paul says to the Philippians, God can testify how I long for all of you with the affection of Christ Jesus. There's that word affection again. And, and that word, um, it's a really neat word. It, it, it actually has connotations of inner organs. <laughs> Ooh, that just puts tender affection on a whole nother level. I long for you with all of the, the, the all of my guts, really. All, all of the, the deep inner being. Like, that doesn't go well in the Hallmark card. I understand that. Like, but that's, I have a deep affection. It's just with all of my guts. Paul says, I feel it when I'm absent from you. I miss you. I'm homesick for you, Philippian church. I deeply, deeply have an affection for you. 2 Corinthians 6, Paul says to the Corinthians, We have spoken freely to you, Corinthians, and opened wide our hearts to you. We are not withholding our affection from you, but you are withholding yours from us. As a fair exchange, I speak as to to my children, open wide your hearts also to us. Do you get what Paul's saying there? You know, I put my, (laughs) this is a very loose translation. I've got an affection for you. We've got an affection for you. We put our guts on the table and we don't feel like you're putting your guts on the table. Like there's no affection back. That's a really loose translation of the Greek. Okay, we're getting way out there, but theologians leave me alone. Um, But there's just that sense of we're wide open to you, tender affection. We want you to do the same with us. That's the command. Wide open hearts to each other. Not just acts of love, not just doing the right thing, devoid of any affection. And in fact, not cramped, narrow affections, but rather wide open affection. Tender affection toward each other. That's the vital sign that points to either our health or our ill health. In in fact, um, you'll be thrilled to know um, Jack, uh, you'll be thrilled to know that five times in the New Testament, just to make sure you're awake, 
five times in the New Testament, Jack, it says that we are to greet one another with a holy kiss. I make it a policy not to kiss people with facial hair, so you're good. Next week, every man in this place is going to have a beard. But five times we're told to greet one another with a holy kiss. Now, that's funny, and we might say, well, that was cultural, all that kind of stuff. Um, But stop for a second, because it does, I think, it's more than just culture. I think it raises the question as to whether, you know, our cultural handshake actually captures what Christ means for us to feel toward one another as brothers and sisters in Christ. Please understand, I know some of you aren't going to want a big kiss from me. I get it. Uh, and I understand, in all seriousness, that some of us are huggers and some of us aren't huggers. I get that, and we've got to respect that. But if our tender affection toward one another is nothing more than a handshake and how's the weather, we are not walking in step with what God calls for his people. In fact, what God commands for his people. What is the command? We are not just to do unto each other in loving ways. We are to feel unto each other with tender affection. Let me give you a caution. Because there's a temptation here. Some of you may have already fallen into it. Here's the temptation, and so here's the caution. The temptation is that we would just opt out of that. Well, Graham, I can't control how I feel. You know, that, that's... I, I can control what I do to other people, so that's a good command, but, but, but I can't control how I feel, um, so I'm just going to opt out of that command. I'm going to opt out of the command to feel a certain way toward uh, the people around me. Because you might argue that since, uh, since I can't just decide to feel a certain way about someone, God would never demand that, uh, he, would, he would never demand a feeling from me. He would never command me to feel a certain way since I can't control how I feel. And since I can't control how I feel, well, that's a good target to shoot for. Yeah, tender affection, showing that toward one another. I'm going to shoot for that. But God wouldn't demand a feeling from me. This way of thinking can happen fast, and we can just keep on reading. But the reality is, in Scripture, God commands, in various places, a variety of emotions. He commands them. Philippians 4, rejoice in the Lord. I will say it again, rejoice. There's a command of emotion, of joy there. Romans 12, a little further on down, weep with those who weep. There's a command of the emotions of sorrow and sympathy. Colossians 3, 15, be thankful. The emotion of gratitude is commanded there. God as God, I would submit to you, has the right to command how we are to feel. And the question then comes, well, okay, Graham, then how am I to feel tender affection if it just doesn't come naturally? I mean, I live in the same world you live in. I feel tender affection towards some people pretty easily and to other prickly people, not so much. It's hard. So how can, how can I just, you know, how am I to feel tender affection if, I just, if, if it doesn't come naturally? Well, stay tuned for point three in just a moment. What's the command? The command is to feel tender affection toward one another. That's the vital sign. That's the command. Okay, second. Why are we to do this? Why are we to do it? Really simply, here it is. We are, to, we are commanded to feel tender affection toward one another because when we do that, it communicates very clearly a truth that this world needs to see and hear. Namely this, that to be a Christian, to be a follower of Jesus, means that we become part of a new family, a second family. You were born physically into one family, 
You might be willing to admit that or not in some cases, but you were born into a particular physical earthly family. And when we place our faith in Jesus as Savior and Lord, we, we join a second family, the, the family of God, the body of Christ. We become brothers and sisters in Christ in the second family. But those aren't just words. That's not just theology. That's also to be a spectacular reality. That we are a part of a family here. That we are to treat one another. We are to actually treat one another and actually feel toward one another uniquely and tenderly and affectionately. When the vital sign of tender affection is strong in our fellowship here at CPC, we testify most powerfully to a hurting world out there that things function differently under the Lordship of Jesus Christ. That's powerful. It matters how we treat one another and how we feel toward one another in this place because when we do that, we communicate to the world that in the kingdom of God, the family functions differently. When our love for one another is either non-existent or insincere, when tender affection toward each other is avoided or its absence is excused or conveniently ignored, listen to this, when that happens, we contradict who God is and who we are in Jesus Christ. In that sense, then, this vital sign of tender affection is actually worship. When we show tender affection toward one another, we worship. We display our worship, the living God. And it's not just a worship. When we show tender affection toward one another, it's evangelism. People see the difference in us and say, wow, what is going on there? And they are drawn That's why it matters a great deal. And that is why we are to do it. Third, then how are we to do it? If that's what we're to do, and that's why we're to do it, sounds pretty important, Graham, so how do we do this? How are we to show tender affection, especially when I don't feel tender affection coming naturally regarding some people? What if you're convicted, you're convinced, you're willing to show tender affection, but you say, uh, how do I do it? How do I do it with some people? Uh, some people who may have hurt you. Some people who may have let you down. Let me just give you two things to think about. Because I'm with you in that. Let me give you two things to think about. At the beginning of Romans 12, we read from Romans 12, verse 9, but at the beginning of Romans 12, it says this, Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Don't conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. I mean, that's a sermon in itself, but suffice it to say this. Something powerful happens when we focus on God's mercies. In view of God's mercies, when we have that as our daily focus, that God, you have given me so much that I don't deserve. Something happens when we have that kind of perspective. Wow, God, your mercy immerses me. I don't deserve any of this life you have given me, but you, in your mercy, as I consider your mercy, it changes my perspective on other people as well. Um, when we recognize how we are being conformed to this world without even knowing it, instead of being transformed by the renewing of our mind, there's something powerful when we recognize how we're being, tra- how we're being conformed particularly in how we relate to others. 
The world out there has a particular way of relating to other people who hurt you or let you down. Or do something that you find offensive. Or, or there's difficult people. The world has a way of interacting with them. And, and the world has a way of saying, this is what you do. If you've got people in that category, if you must try and say something nice, but just avoid them. Maybe they'll go away. And we've got to recognize how we're being conformed into that image instead of being transformed in how we treat one another. We're not to behave in our relationships with others the way the world behaves. We are to be transformed. We are not to be conformed to that way of thinking. When other people hurt us or let us down or they're just annoying to us, we are not to be conformed to treating them the way the world would treat them. We are to be transformed in our relationships. It should be different in here. We submit ourselves to God. We offer our bodies as living sacrifices. We say, God, I'm going to let you transform me. Did you know that Galatians 5, 22 and 23, some of the fruit of the Holy Spirit, some of the outflow of God's Spirit in our lives, love, joy, peace, patience, did you notice that a lot of those are emotions? Joy? As we submit ourselves to God's work in our lives and say, Holy Spirit, would you grow your fruit in me? Some of these emotions bubble up. One of them being love. Tender affection. As we submit, God, this relationship is difficult. I don't feel like showing tender affection to that individual. Then submit it to God. In view of your mercy toward me, God, let me be merciful to them. Not just in what I do to them, but in how I feel toward them. Would you change my heart? Secondly and lastly, 2 Corinthians 1.3. Uh, at the Welcome Center as well is a green sheet that has some Sermon Plus material. It's just a way for you to take some of the stuff with you and ponder it this week, maybe in your small group. Um, or on your own. But in there, it points us to 2 Thessalonians 1.3, where Paul says this, We always ought to thank God for you, brothers and sisters, and rightly so, because your faith is growing. Your faith is growing more and more. Did you catch that? Your faith is growing more and more. And the love every one of you has for each other is increasing. That's a powerful verse. It speaks to where we are at. Our faith is growing more and more. And our love for one another increases more and more as well. What, what am I saying? I'm saying it's a process. Just like growth physically, a growth spiritually is a process. Growing in our faith is a process. It doesn't happen in one leap. It happens step by step. And Paul's saying in this passage, the way that you interact with one another, the love, the tender affection you have for one another, it's a process you're, you're gradually increasing in it. So the question is, not am I showing perfect tender affection toward everyone, particularly those who I struggle with. The question is, am I doing it more than I was doing it last year or six months ago or last week? God, I want to grow in this. This vital sign of tender affection takes time. And God in his goodness gives us opportunities to see our love for one another grow. Look out for those opportunities. Take time this week to say, Lord, what are one or two or three people in the fellowship here who I struggle with? Maybe there's a broken relationship. In fact, I've been here long enough in this fellowship to know that there are broken relationships here. I know it. 
And God's call for us is, you want to be healthy? Then increasingly there needs to be tender affection in your midst. It matters how we treat one another. It also matters how we are to feel toward one another. We're going to close with when you move. Um, Listen to the words that we sing. When you move, when you move, God, our lives are changed. And we know a taste of heaven here. Did you know that's what heaven is going to be like? Tender affection toward one another. And God, when you move in our midst, our lives are changed. My prayer for us, folks, is that this vital sign of tender affection, the way we feel toward one another, would be so evident as God moves in our midst. And this week, maybe even right now, maybe even this morning, God is saying to you, I want you to take the steps to repair that relationship. I want you to take steps to show tender affection to her or to him. God, would you move? Lord God, would you move in our midst? Because when you move, our lives are changed.